Part One of The Young Visitors, or Mr. Saltina's Plan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Chapter One Quite a Young Girl. Mr. Saltina was an elderly man of forty two, and was fond of asking people to stay with him. He had quite a young girl staying with him of seventeen, named Ethel Montague. Mr. Saltina had dark, short hair and moustache and whiskers, which were very black and twisty. He was middle-sized, and he had very pale blue eyes. He had a pale brown suit, but on Sundays he had a black one, and he had a topper every day as he thought it more becoming. Ethel Montague had fair hair, done on the top, and blue eyes. She had a blue velvet frock, which had grown rather short in the sleeves. She had a black straw hat and kid gloves. One morning, Mr. Saltina came down to breakfast and found Ethel had come down first, which was strange. Is the tea made, Ethel? he said, rubbing his hands. Yes, said Ethel, and such a queer-shaped parcel has come for you. Yes, indeed, it was a queer-shaped parcel. It was a hat-box, tied down very tight, and a letter stuffed between the string. Well, well, said Mr. Saltina, parcels do turn queer. I will read the letter first, and so saying he tore open the letter, and this is what it said. My dear Alfred, I want you to come for a stop with me, so I have sent you a top hat, wrapped up in tissue paper, inside the box. Will you wear it staying with me, because it is very uncommon? Please bring one of your young ladies, whichever is the prettiest in the face. I remain yours truly, Bernard Clark. Well, said Mr. Saltina, I shall take you to stay, Ethel, and fancy him sending me a top hat. Then Mr. S. opened the box, and there lay the most splendid top hat of a lovely rich tone, rather like grapes, with a ribbon round complete. Well, said Mr. Saltina peevishly, I don't know if I shall like it. The bow of the ribbon is too flighty for my age. Then he sat down and ate the egg which Ethel had so kindly laid for him. After he had finished his meal, he got down and began to write to Bernard Clark. He ran upstairs on his fat legs and took out his blotter with a loud sniff, and this is what he wrote. My dear Bernard, certainly I shall come and stay with you next Monday. I will bring Ethel Montague, commonly called Miss M. She is very active and pretty. I do hope I shall enjoy myself with you. I am fond of digging in the garden, and I am partial to ladies, if they are nice. I suppose it is my nature. I am not quite a gentleman, but you would hardly notice it, but can't be helped anyhow. We will come by the 3.15. Your old and valued friend, Alfred Saltina. Perhaps my readers will be wondering why Bernard Clark had asked Mr. Saltina to stay with him. He was a lonely man in a remote spot and he liked people and parties, but he did not know many. "'What rot!' muttered Bernard Clark, as he read Mr. Saltina's letter. He was rather a presumptuous man. 
End of chapter. Chapter 2. Starting gaily. When the great morning came, Mr. Saltina did not have an egg for his breakfast, in case he should be sick on the journey. "'What top hat will you wear?' asked Ethel. "'I shall wear my best black and my white alpaca coat to keep off the dust and flies,' replied Mr. Saltina. "'I shall put some red rouge on my face,' said Ethel, "'because I am very pale owing to the drains in this house.' You will look very silly, said Mr. Saltina, with a dry laugh. Well, so will you, said Ethel, in a snappy tone, and she ran out of the room with a very superior run, throwing out her legs behind, and her arms swinging in rhythm. Well, said the owner of the house, she has a most idiotic run. Presently, Ethel came back in her best hat and a lovely velvet coat of royal blue. Do I look nice in my get-up? she asked. Mr. Saltina surveyed her. You look rather rash, my dear. Your colours don't quite match your face. But never mind. I am just going up to say good-bye to Rosaline, the housemaid. Well, don't be long, said Ethel. Mr. S. skipped upstairs to Rosaline's room. Good-bye, Rosaline, he said. I shall be back soon, and I hope I shall enjoy myself. I make no doubt of that, sir, said Rosaline with a blush, as Mr. Saltina silently put two and six on the dirty toilet cover. Take care of your bronchitis, said Mr. S. rather bashfully, and he hastily left the room, waving his hand carelessly to the housemaid. Come along, cried Ethel, powdering her nose in the hall. Let us get into the cab. Mr. Saltina did not care for powder but he was an unselfish man, so he dashed into the cab. "'Sit down,' said Ethel, as the cabman waved his whip. "'You are standing on my luggage.' "'Well, I am paying for the cab,' said Mr. S., "'so I might be allowed to put my feet where I like.' They travelled second class in the train, and Ethel was longing to go first, but thought perhaps least said, soonest mended. Mr. Saltina got very excited in the train about his visit. Ethel was calm, but she felt excited inside. "'Bernard has a big house,' said Mr. S., gazing at Ethel. "'He is inclined to be rich.' "'Oh, indeed,' said Ethel, looking at some cows flashing past the window. Mr. S. felt rather disheartened, so he read the paper till the train stopped, and the porters shouted, "'Rickamere Station!' "'We had better collect our traps,' said Mr. Saltina and just then a very exalted footman in a cocked hat and olive-green uniform put his head in at the window are you for rickamere hall he said in impressive tones well yes i am said mr saltina and so is this lady very good sir said the noble footman if you will alight i will see to your luggage there is a conveyance awaiting you Oh, thank you, thank you, said Mr. S., and he and Ethel stepped along the platform. Outside they found a lovely carriage, lined with olive-green cushions to match the footman, and the horses had green bridles and bows in their manes and tails. They got gingerly in. Will he bring our luggage? asked Ethel nervously. I expect so, said Mr. Saltina, lighting a very long cigar. 
do we tip him asked ethel quietly well no i don't think so not yet we had better just thank him politely just then the footman staggered out with the baggage ethel bowed gracefully over the door of the carriage and mr s waved his hand as each bit of luggage was hoisted up to make sure it was all there then he said thank you my good fellow very politely not at all sir said the footman and touched his cocked hat he jumped actively to the box i was right not to tip him whispered mr saltina the thing to do is to leave two and six on your dressing-table when your stay is over does he find it asked ethel who did not really know it at all how to go on a visit i believe so replied mr saltina anyway it is quite the custom and we can't help it if he does not now my dear what do you think of the scenery very nice said ethel gazing at the rich fur rug on her knees just then the carriage rolled into a beautiful drive with tall trees and big red flowers growing amid shiny dark leaves presently the haughty coachman pulled up with a great clatter at a huge front door with tall pillars each side of a big iron bell and two very clean scrapers the doors flung open as if by magic causing ethel to jump and a portly butler appeared on the scene with a very shiny shirt and a huge pale face welcome sir he exclaimed good-naturedly as mr saltina alighted rather quickly from the vehicle and please to step inside mr saltina stepped in as bid followed by ethel the footman again struggled with the luggage and the butler francis minnett by name kindly lent a hand the hall was very big and hung round with guns and mate and ancestors giving it a gloomy but a grand air the butler then showed them down a winding corridor till he came to a door which he flung open shouting mr saltina and a lady sir a tall man of twenty-nine rose from the sofa he was rather bent in the middle with very nice long legs fairish hair and blue eyes hello alf old boy he cried so you have got here all safe and no limbs broken none thank you bernard replied mr saltina shaking hands and let me introduce miss montague she is very pleased to come for this visit oh yes gasped ethel blushing through her red rouge bernard looked at her keenly and turned a dark red i am glad to see you he said i hope you will enjoy it but i have not arranged any parties yet as i don't know anybody don't worry murmured ethel i don't mix much in society and she gave him a dainty smile i expect you would like some tea said bernard i will ring yes indeed we should said mr saltina eagerly bernard pealed the bell and the butler came in with a stately walk tea please minute cried bernard clark with pleasure sir replied minute with a deep bow a glorious tea then came in on a gold tray two kinds of bread and butter a lovely jam roll and lovely sugar cakes ethel's eyes began to sparkle and she made several remarks during the meal 
I expect you would now like to unpack, said Bernard when it was over. Well, yes, that is rather an idea, said Mr. Saltina. I have given the best spare room to Miss Montague, said Bernard with a gallant bow, and yours, turning to Mr. Saltina, opens out of it, so you will be nice and friendly. Uh, both the rooms have big windows and a handsome view. How charming, said Ethel. Yes, well, let us go up, replied Bernard, and he led the way up many a winding stairway, till they came to an oak door with some lovely swans and bulrushes painted on it. Here we are, he cried gaily. Ethel's room was indeed a handsome compartment, with purple silk curtains and a four-post bed draped with the same shade. The toilet set was white with mauve, and there were some violets in a costly vase. Oh, I say, cried Ethel in surprise. I am glad you like it, said Bernard. And here we have yours, Alf. He opened the dividing doors and portrayed a smaller but dainty room, all in pale yellow and wild primroses. My own room is next the bathroom, said Bernard. It is decorated dark red, as I have somber tastes. The bathroom has got a tip-up basin and a hose thing for washing your head. A good notion, said Mr. Saltina, who was secretly getting jealous. Here we will leave our friends to unpack and end this chapter. End of chapter. Chapter 3 The First Evening When they had unpacked, Mr. Saltina and Ethel went downstairs to dinner. Mr. Saltina had put on a complete evening suit, as he thought it was the correct idea, and some ruby studs he had got at a sale. Ethel had on a dress of yellow silk covered with tulle, which was quite in the fashion, and she had on a necklace which Mr. Saltina gave her for a birthday present. She looked very becoming and pretty, and Bernard heaved a sigh as he gave her his arm to go into dinner. The butler Minute was quite ready for the fray, standing up and very stiff, and surrounded by two footmen in green plush and curly white wigs, who were called Charles and Horace. Well, said Mr. Saltina, lapping up his turtle soup, you have a very sumptuous house, Bernard. His friend gave a weary smile and swallowed a few drops of sherry wine. It is fairly decent, he replied with a bashful glance at Ethel. After our repast, I will show you over the premises. Many thanks, said Mr. Saltina, getting rather flustered with his forks. You ought to give a ball, remarked Ethel. You have such large compartments. Yes, there is room enough, sighed Bernard. We might try a few steps, and meanwhile... I might get to know a few people. So you might, responded Ethel, giving him a speaking look. Mr. Saltina was growing a little peevish, but he cheered up when the port wine came on the table, and the butler put round some costly finger bowls. He did not have any in his own house, and he followed Bernard Clark's advice as to what to do with them. After dinner, Ethel played some merry tunes on the piano, and Bernard responded with a rather loud song in a bass voice, and Ethel clapped him a good deal. 
Then Mr. Saltina asked a few riddles, as he was not musical. Then Bernard said, Shall I show you over my domain? And they strolled into the gloomy hall. I see you have a lot of ancestors, said Mr. Saltina in a jealous tone. Who are they? Well, said Bernard, they are all quite correct. This is my Aunt Caroline. She was rather eccentric and quite old. So I see, said Mr. Saltina, and he passed on to a lady with a very tight waist and queerly shaped. That is Marianne Fudge, my grandmother, I think, said Bernard. She was very well known in her day. Why? asked Ethel, who was rather curious by nature. Well, I don't quite know, said Bernard, but she was, and he moved away to the next picture. It was of a man with a fat, smiley face, and a red ribbon round him, and a lot of medals. My great-uncle Ambrose Fudge, said Bernard carelessly. He looks a thorough ancestor, said Ethel kindly. Well, he was, said Bernard in a proud tone. He was really the sinister son of Queen Victoria. Not really, cried Ethel in excited tones. But what does that mean? Well, I don't quite know, said Bernard Clark. It puzzles me very much, but ancestors do turn queer at times. Perhaps it means godson, said Mr. Saltina in an intelligent voice. Well, I don't think so, said Bernard, but I mean to find out. It is very grand, anyhow, said Ethel. It is that, replied her host genially. Who is this? said Mr. Saltina, halting at a picture of a lady holding up some grapes and smiling a good deal. Her name was called Minnie Pilato, responded Bernard. She was rather far back, but a real relation, and she was engaged to the Earl of Tullyvarden, only it did not quite come off. What a pity, cried Ethel. Yes, it was, rather, replied Bernard, but she married a captain in the navy and had seven children, so she was quite all right. Here Mr. Saltina thought he had better go to bed, as he had had a long journey. Bernard always had a few prayers in the hall and some whiskey afterwards, as he was rather pious, but Mr. Saltina was not very addicted to prayers, so he marched up to bed. Ethel stayed, as she thought it would be a good thing. The butler came in, as he was a very holy man, and Bernard piously said the Our Father, and a very good hymn called, I Will Keep My Anger Down, and A Decade of the Rosary. Ethel chimed in quietly, and Francis Minnett was most devout, and Ethel thought what a good holy family she was stopping with. So I will end my chapter. End of chapter. Chapter 4. Mr. Saltina's Plan Mr. Saltina woke up rather early next day, and was surprised and delighted to find Horace the footman entering with a cup of tea. Oh, thank you, my man, said Mr. Saltina, rolling over in the costly bed. Mr. Clark is nearly out of the bath, sir, announced Horace. I will have great pleasure in turning it on for you, if such is your desire. 
well yes you might said mr saltina seeing it was the idea and horace gave a profound bow ethel are you getting up shouted mr saltina very nearly replied ethel faintly from the next room i say said mr saltina excitedly i have had some tea in bed so have i replied ethel then mr saltina got into a mauve dressing gown with yellow tassels and seizing his soap he wandered off to the bathroom which was most sumptuous it had a lovely white shiny bath and sparkling taps and several towels arrayed in readiness by thoughtful horace it also had a step for climbing up into the bath and other good dodgers of a rich nature mr saltina washed himself well and felt very much better after breakfast mr saltina asked bernard if he could have some private conversation with him well yes replied bernard if you will come into my study we can have a few words can't i come too muttered ethel sulkily no my dear said mr saltina this is private perhaps later i might have a private chat with you miss montague said bernard kindly oh let's do said ethel then bernard and mr s strolled into the study and sat upon two armchairs fire away said bernard lighting his pipe well i can't exactly do that said mr saltina in slow tones it is a serious matter and you can advise me as you are a thorough gentleman i am sure well yes said bernard what can i do for you eh alf you can help me perhaps to be more like a gentleman said mr saltina getting rather hot i am quite all right as they say but i would like to be the real thing can it be done he added slapping his knees i don't quite know said bernard it might take a good time might it said mr s but i would slave for years if need be bernard scratched his head why don't you try the crystal palace he asked several people earls and even dukes have private compartments there but i am not an earl said mr saltina in a perplexed tone true replied bernard but i understand that there are sort of students there who want to get into the war office and notable banks would that be a help asked mr saltina eagerly well it might said bernard i can give you a letter to my old pal the earl of clincham who lives there he might rub you up and by mixing with him you would probably grow more seemly oh ten thousand thanks said mr saltina i will go there as soon as it can be arranged if you would be so kind as to keep an eye on ethel while i'm away oh yes said bernard i may be running up to town for a few days and she could come too you are too kind said mr saltina and i don't think you will find her any trouble no i don't think i shall said bernard she is a pretty girl cheerful and active and he blushed rather red End of chapter. Chapter 5 The Crystal Palace. About nine o'clock next morning, Mr. Saltina stood bag in hand in the ancestral hall, waiting for the vehicle to convey him to the station. Bernard Clark and Ethel were seated side by side on a costly sofa, gazing abstractly at the parting guest. 
Horace had dashed off to put on his cocked hat as he was going into the barouche, but Francis Minnett was roaming about the hall well prepared for any deed. Well, said Bernard, puffing at his Meersham pipe, I hope you will get on, Alf. I am sure you have that little letter to old Clincham, eh? Indeed I have, said Mr. Saltina. Many thanks for the same, and I do hope Ethel will behave properly. Oh, yes, I expect she will, said Bernard with a sigh. I always do, said Ethel in a snappy tone. Just then there was a great clatter outside and the sound of hoofs and a loud neigh. The barouche, I take it, said Bernard, rising slowly. Quite correct, sir, said Minnett, flinging wide the portals. Well, good-bye, Alf, old man, said Bernard Clark. Good luck and God bless you, he added in a pious tone. Not at all, said Mr. Saltina. I have enjoyed my stop, which has been short but sweet. Well, good-bye, Ethel, my child, he said as bag in hand he proceeded to the door. Francis Minnett bowed low and handed a small parcel to Mr. Saltina. A few sandwiches for the journey, he remarked. Oh, this is most kind, said Mr. Saltina. Minnett closed his eyes with a tired smile. Not kind, sir, he muttered. Quite usual. Oh, really, said Mr. Saltina, feeling rather flabbergasted. Well, good-bye, my good fellow, and he slipped two at six into the butler's open palm. Mr. Saltina had to travel first class, as active Horace ran on to buy the ticket, which he presented with a low bow, the times and titbits. Oh, many thanks, said Mr. Saltina, in a most airy voice. Now will you find me a corner seat in the train, eh? If there is one, sir, replied Horace. In got Mr. Saltina to his first-class carriage, surrounded by his luggage, carefully piled up by kindly Horace. The other passengers looked full of envy at the curly white wig and green plush uniform of Horace. Mr. Saltina crossed his legs in a lordly way and flung a fur rug over his knees, though he was hot enough in all conscience. He began to feel this was the thin end of the partition, and he smiled as he gently tapped the letter in his coat-tail pocket. When Mr. Saltina arrived in London, he began to stroll up the principal streets, thinking how gay all was. Presently he beheld a restaurant with a big menu outside, and he went boldly in. It was a sumptuous spot, all done up in gold, with plenty of looking-glasses. Many handsome ladies and gentlemen were already partaking of choice food and rich wines and whiskey, and the scene was most lively. Mr. Saltina had a little whiskey to make him feel more at home. Then he ate some curry to the tune of a merry waltz on the band. He beat time to the music and smiled kindly at the waiters, and he felt very excited inside. I am seeing life with a vengeance, he muttered to himself as he paid his bill at the desk. Outside, Mr. Saltina found a tall policeman. Could you direct me to the Crystal Palace, if you please, said Mr. Saltina nervously. Well, said the genial policeman, my advice would be to take a cab, sir. Oh, would it, said Mr. Saltina, then I will do so. He hailed a hansom and got speedily in. To the Crystal Palace, he cried gaily, and, holding his bag on his knees, he prepared to enjoy the sights of the metropolis. It was a merry drive, and all too soon the palace heaved in view. 
Mr. Saltina sprang out and paid the man, and then he entered the wondrous edifice. His heart beat very fast as two huge men in gold braid flung open the doors. Inside was a lovely fountain in the middle, and all around were little stalls where you could buy sweets and lemonade, also scent handkerchiefs, and many dainty articles. There were a lot of people, but nobody very notable. At last, after buying two bottles of scent and some rather nice sweets, which stuck to his teeth, Mr. Saltina beheld a wooden door on which was nailed a notice, saying, To the private compartments. Aha, said Mr. Saltina to himself, this is evidently my next move, and he gently pushed open the door, straightening his top hat as he did so. Inside he found himself in a dimly lit passage with a thick and handsome carpet. Mr. Saltina gazed round and beheld in the gloom a very superior gentleman in full evening dress, who was reading a newspaper and warming his hands on the hot water pipes. Mr. Saltina advanced on tiptoe and coughed gently, as so far the gentleman had paid no attention. However, at the second cough, he raised his eyes in a weary fashion. Do you want anything? he asked in a most noble voice. Mr. Saltina got very flustered. Well, I, uh, I'm seeking the Earl of Clincham, he began in a trembly voice. Are you by any chance him? he added most respectfully. No, not exactly, replied the other. My name happens to be Edward Procurio. I am half Italian, and I am the groom of the chambers. What chambers? asked Mr. Saltina, blinking his eyes. These, said Edward Procurio, waving a thin arm. Mr. Saltina then noticed several red doors with names of people on each one. Oh, I see, he said. Then perhaps you can tell me where the Earl of Clincham is to be found. At the end of the passage, fourth door down, said Procurio tritely. Of course he may be out. One never knows what they are up to. I suppose not, said Mr. Saltina in an interested tone. One cannot gamble on anything, really, said Procurio, returning to the hot water pipes, though of course I know a lot more than most people about the inmates here. What are the habits of the Earl of Clincham? said Mr. Saltina. Procurio gave a smile. Many and various, he replied. I can't say much in my position, but one lives and learns. He heaved a sigh and shrugged his shoulders. Well, good day, said Mr. Saltina, feeling better for the chat. Procurio nodded in silence as Mr. Saltina trotted off down the passage. At last he came to a door labelled Clincham, Earl of, in big letters. With a beating heart, Mr. Saltina pulled the bell and the door swung open of its own accord. At the same moment a cheery voice rang out from the distance. Come in, please. I am in the study, first door on the left. With a nervous bound, Mr. Saltina obeyed these directions and found himself in a small but handsome compartment done in dark green leather with crests on the chairs. Over the mantelpiece was hung the painting of a lady in a low neck, looking quite the thing. By the desk was seated a tall man of thirty-five with very nice eyes of a twinkly nature and curly hair. He wore quite a plain suit of palest grey, but well made 
and on one of the tables reposed a grey top hat which had evidently been on his head recently. He had a rose in his buttonhole, also a signet ring. Hello, said this pleasant fellow, as Mr. Saltina was spellbound on mat. Hello, your lordship, responded our hero, bowing low and dropping his hat. Do I address the Earl of Clincham? You do, said the Earl, with a homely smile, and who do I address, eh? Our hero bowed again. Alfred Saltina, he said in deep tones. Oh, I see, said the kindly Earl. Well, come in, my man, and tell me who you are. Mr. Saltina seated himself gingerly on the edge of a crested chair. To tell you the truth, my lord, I am not any one of import, and I am not a gentleman, as they say. He ended getting very red and hot. Have some whiskey, said Lord Clincham, and he poured the liquid into a glass at his elbow. Mr. Saltina lapped it up thankfully. Well, my man, said the good-natured Earl, what I say is, what does it matter? We can't all be of the royal blood, can we? No, said Mr. Saltina, but I suppose you are. Lord Clincham waved a careless hand. A small portion flows in my veins, he said, but it does not worry me at all, and after all, he added piously, at the day of judgment, what will be the odds? Mr. Saltina heaved a sigh. I was thinking of this world, he said. Oh, I see, said the Earl, but my own idea is that these things are as piffle before the wind. Not being an Earl, I can't say, answered our hero. But may I beg you to read this letter, my lord? He produced Bernard's note from his coat-tails. The Earl of Clincham took it in his long fingers. This is what it read. My dear Clincham, the bearer of this letter is an old friend of mine, not quite the right side of the blanket, as they say. In fact, he is the son of a first-rate butcher, but his mother was a decent family called Hyssops of the Glen, so you see he is not so bad, and is desirous of being the correct article. Could you rub him up a bit in society ways? I don't know much details about him, but no doubt he will supply all you need. I am keeping well, and hope you are. I must run up to the compartments one day and look you up. Yours as ever, your faithful friend, Bernard Clark. The Earl gave a slight cough and gazed at Mr. Saltina thoughtfully. Have you much money? he asked, and are you prepared to spend a good deal? Oh, yes, quite, gasped Mr. Saltina. I have plenty in the bank, and ten pounds in ready gold in my purse. You see, these compartments are the haunts of the aristocracy, said the Earl, and they are kept going by people who have got something funny in their family, and who want to be less mere, if you can comprehend. Indeed I can, said Mr. Saltina. Personally, I am a bit partial to mere people, said his lordship, but the point is that we charge a goodly sum for our training here. But, however, if you can't pay, you need not join. I can and will, proclaimed Mr. Saltina, and he placed a ten-pound note on the desk. His lordship slipped it in his trouser pocket. It will be forty-two pounds before I have done with you, he said, but you can pay me here and there as convenient. Oh, thank you, cried Mr. Saltina. Not at all, said the Earl, and now to business. While here you will live in compartments in the basement, known as Lower Range. 
you will get many hints from the groom of the chambers as to clothes and etiquette to menials you will mix with me for grammar and i might take you out hunting or shooting sometimes to give you a few tips also i have lots of ladies parties which you will attend occasionally mr saltina's eyes flashed with excitement i shall enjoy that he cried his lordship coughed loudly you may not marry while under instruction he said firmly oh i shall not need to thank you said mr saltina you must also decide on a profession said his lordship as your instruction will vary accordingly could i be anything at buckingham palace said mr saltina with flashing eyes oh well i don't quite know said the noble earl but you might perhaps gallop beside the royal barouche if you care to try oh indeed i should cried mr saltina i am very fond of fresh air and royalties well said the earl with a knowing smile i might arrange it with the prince of wales who i am rather intimate with not really gasped mr saltina dear me yes remarked the earl carelessly and if we decide for you to gallop by the royal vehicle you must be measured for some plush knickerbockers at once mr saltina glanced at his rather fat legs and sighed well i must go out now and call on a few dowagers said his lordship picking up his elegant top hat well au revoir he added with a good french accent adieu my lord cried mr saltina not to be outdone we meet anon i take it not till tomorrow answered the earl you will now proceed to the lower regions where you will no doubt find tea he nodded kindly and glided out in silence here i will end my chapter end of chapter chapter 6 high life mr saltina awoke next morning in his small but pleasant room it was done in green and white with monograms on the toilet set he had a tiny white bed with a green quilt and a picture of the nativity and one of windsor castle on the walls the sun was shining over all these things as mr saltina opened his sleepy eyes just then there was a rat-tat on the door come in called mr saltina and in came edward procurio balancing a tray very cleverly he looked most elegant with his shiny black hair and pale yellow face and half-shut eyes he smiled in a very mysterious and superior way as he placed the tray on mr saltina's pointed knees your early beverage he announced and began to pull up the blind still smiling to himself oh thank you cried mr saltina feeling very tousled compared to this grand fellow then to his great surprise procurio began to open the wardrobe and look at mr saltina's suits making italian exclamations under his breath mr saltina dare not say a word so he swallowed his tea and etta marie biscuit hastily presently procurio advanced to the bed with a bright blue serge suit will you wear this today sir he asked quietly oh certainly said mr saltina and a clean shirt would not come on this said procurio what about this pale blue and white stripe with pleasure replied mr saltina 
so Procurio laid them out in neat array, also a razor and brush for shaving. Then he opened a door, saying, This is the bathroom. Shall I turn on hot or cold? I don't mind, said Mr. Saltina, feeling very hot and ignorant. It is best for you to decide, sir, said Procurio firmly. Well, I will try cold, said Mr. Saltina, feeling it was more manly to say that. Procurio bowed and beat a retreat to the bathroom. Then he returned and told Mr. Saltina that when he was washed, he would find his breakfast in the sitting-room. When Mr. Saltina was dressed in his best blue suit and clean shirt, he strolled into the sitting-room, where a gay canary was singing fit to burst in the window and a couple of doves cooing in a wicker cage. A cheery smell greeted him as Percurio glided in with some steaming coffee. Mr. Saltina felt more at home and passed a few remarks about the weather. Procurio smiled and uncovered some lovely kidneys on toast, and as he did so bent and whispered in Mr. Saltina's ear, You should have come in, in your dressing gown. Mr. Saltina gave a start. Oh, can I? he said. Ten thousand thanks. Then Procurio passed out, and Mr. Saltina finished his kidneys and chirruped to the birds, and had a cigarette from a handsome purple box which he found on the desk. Then Procurio entered once more, and with a bow said, His lordship is going to a levee this morning, and thinks it might amuse you to go. Could you be ready by eleven o'clock? Oh, yes, what fun, said Mr. Saltina. Have you any notion what a levee is, my man? Procurio gave a superior smile. It is a party given by the Queen to very superior people, but this one is given by the Prince of Wales, as the Queen is not quite her usual self today. It will be at Buckingham Palace, so you will drive with his lordship. Mr. Saltina was fearfully excited. What shall I wear? he gasped. Well, of course, you ought to have black satin knickerbockers and a hat with a white feathers, also garters and a star or two. You surprise me, said Mr. Saltina. I have none of those articles. Well, said Procurio kindly, his lordship will lend you his second best cocked hat, as you are obliged to wear one, and I think with a little thought I might rig you up so as to pass muster. Then they rummaged among Mr. Saltina's things, and Procurio got very intelligent and advised Mr. Saltina to wear his black evening suit and roll up his trousers. He also lent him a pair of white silk stockings, which he fastened tightly around his knees with red rosettes. Then he quickly cut a star in silver paper and pinned it to his chest, and also added a strip of red ribbon across his shirt front. Then Mr. Saltina surveyed himself in the glass. Is it a fancy dress party? he asked. No, they always wear that kind of thing. But wait till you see his lordship. If you are ready, sir, I will conduct you in. Mr. Saltina followed Procurio up countless stairs till they came to the Earl's compartments and tapped on the bedroom door. Come in, cried a merry voice, and in they strode. I have done my best with Mr. Saltina, my lord, 
I trust he will do. The hat, of course, will make a deal of difference. Mr. Saltina bowed nervously, wishing he had got correct knickerbockers, as his trousers did not feel too firm in spite of the garters. Not half bad, cried the Earl. Try on the hat, Saltina. It is on my bed. Mr. Saltina placed it on his head, and the feathers and gold braid became him very well, but he felt very jealous of the Earl, who looked a sight for the gods. He had proper satin knickerbockers with diamond clasps, and buckled shoes and black silk stockings which showed up his long, fine legs. He had a floppy shirt of softest muslin with real lace collar and cuffs. A sword hung at his side, and a crimson sash was round his waist, and a splendid cocked hat on his head. His blue eyes twinkled as he pulled on a pair of white kid gloves. "'Well, come on, Saltina,' he cried, "'and don't be nervous. I will get you a pair of knickers to-morrow. Will you get a handsome procurio?' Presently the Earl and Mr. Saltina were clattering away to Buckingham Palace. "'You won't mind if I introduce you as Lord Hyssops, do you?' said the Earl, as he lit his pipe. "'You see you are sort of mixed up with the family, so it won't matter, and will look better.' "'So it would,' said Mr. Saltina. "'What do we do at the levee?' "'Oh, we stroll around and eat ices and champagne and that kind of thing. Sometimes there is a little music.' "'Is there any dancing?' asked Mr. Saltina. "'Well, not always,' said the Earl. "'I am glad of that,' said Mr. Saltina. "'I am not so nimble as I was, and my garters are a trifle tight.' "'Sometimes we talk about the laws and politics,' said the Earl, "'if Her Majesty is in that kind of mood.' Just then the splendid edifice appeared in view, and Mr. Saltina licked his dry lips at the sight of the vast crowd. All round were carriages full of costly people, and outside the railings stood tall lifeguards keeping off the mere people who had gathered to watch the nobility clatter up. Lord Clincham began to bow right and left, raising his cocked hat to his friends. There was a lot of laughter and friendly words as the cab finally drew up at the door. Two tall lifeguards whisked open the doors, and one of them kindly tipped the cabman. Mr. Saltina followed his lordship up the grand steps, trying to feel as homely as he could. Then a splendid-looking fellow in a red tunic and a sort of black velvet tam-o'-shanter stepped forward from the throng, shouting, "'What name, please?' "'The Earl of Clincham and Lord Hyssops,' calmly replied the Earl, gently nudging Mr. Saltina to act up. Mr. Saltina nodded and blinked at the menial, as much as to say, all is well, and then he and the Earl hung up their cocked hats on two pegs. "'This way!' cried a deep voice, and another menial appeared wearing stiff white breeches, top-boots, and a green velvet coat, with a leather belt, also a very shiny top-hat. They followed this fellow down countless corridors, and finally came to big folding doors. The Earl twiddled his moustache and slapped his leg with his white glove as calmly as could be. Mr. Saltina perspired rather hard and gave a hitch to his garters to make sure. 
then the portals divided and their names were shouted in chorus by countless domestics the sumptuous room was packed with men of a noble nature dressed like the earl in satin knickerbockers etc and with ladies of every hue with long trains and jewels by the dozens you could hardly move in the gay throng dukes were as naught as there were a good lot of princes and archdukes as it was a very superior levy indeed the earl and mr saltina struggled through the crowd till they came to a platform draped with white velvet here on a golden chair was seated the prince of wales in a lovely ermine cloak and a small but costly crown he was chatting quite genially with some of the crowd up clambered the earl followed at top speed by mr saltina hello clincham cried the prince quite homely and not at all grand so glad you turned up quite a squash eh a bit overpowering your highness said the earl who was quite used to all this may i introduce my friend lord hyssops he is staying with me so i thought i would bring him along if you don't mind prince not at all cried the genial prince looking rather surprised mr saltina bowed so low he nearly fell off the platform and as the prince put out a hand mr saltina thought he had better kiss it the prince smiled kindly i am pleased to see you lord hyssops he said in a regal voice then the earl chipped in and how is the dear queen he said reverently not up to much said his highness she feels the heat poor soul and he waved to a placard which said in large letters the queen is indisposed presently his highness rose i think i will have a quiet glass of champagne he said you come too clincham and bring your friend the diplomats are arriving and i am not much in the mood for deep talk i have already signed a dozen documents so i have done my duty they all went out by a private door and found themselves in a smaller but gorgeous room the prince tapped on the table and instantly two menials in red tunics appeared bring three glasses of champagne commanded the prince and some ices he said majestically the goods appeared as if by magic and the prince drew out a cigar case and passed it round one grows weary of court life he remarked oh yes agreed the earl it upsets me said the prince lapping up his strawberry ice all i want is peace and quiet and a little fun and here i am tied down to this life he said taking off his crown being royal has many painful drawbacks true mused the earl silence fell and the strains of the band could be heard from the next room suddenly the prince gazed at mr saltina who did you say you were he asked in a puzzled tone lord hyssops responded our hero growing purple at the lie well you are not a bit like the lord hyssops i know replied the prince could you explain matters mr saltina gazed helplessly at the earl who had grown very pale and seemed lost for the moment however he quickly recovered he is quite all right really prince he said his mother was called miss hyssops of the glen indeed said his royal highness 
that sounds correct but who was your father eh then mr saltina thought he would not tell a lie so in trembly tones he muttered my poor father was uh, but a butcher your highness a, a very honest one i may add and a passing rich uh, he was called dominic saltina and my name is alfred saltina the prince stroked his yellow beard and rather admired mr saltina for his truthful utterance oh i see he said well why did you palm off on my menials as lord hyssops eh mr saltina wiped his sweating brow but the earl came to the rescue nobly my fault entirely prince he chimed in as i was bringing him to this very superior levy i thought it would be better to say he was of noble birth have i offended your royal dignity not much said the prince it was a laudable notion and perhaps i will ask mr saltina to one of my big balls some day oh your highness gasped our hero falling on one knee that would indeed be a treat i suppose prince you have not got a job going at this place for my friend asked the earl you see i am rubbing him up in society ways and he fancies court life as a profession oh does he said the prince blinking his eyes well i might see i suggested if there was a vacancy going he might try cantering after the royal barouche said the earl so he might said the prince i will speak to the prime minister about it and let you know ten thousand thanks cried mr saltina bowing low well now i must get along back to the levee announced the prince putting on his crown i have booked a waltz with the archduchess of greenwich and this is her favourite tune so saying they issued back into the room where the nobility were whirling gaily round the more serious people such as the prime minister and the admirals etc were eating ices and talking passionately about the laws in a low undertone the earl was soon mingling gaily in a set of lancers but mr saltina dare not because of his trousers however he sat on a velvet chair and quite enjoyed overhearing the intelligent conversation of the prime minister and now we will leave our hero enjoying his glimpse of high life and return to ethel montague end of chapter end of part 1